Paul summing up the kingdom of God in, in one sentence. He's describing the kingdom of God. And look what it's about. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with righteousness, peace, and joy? Well, the context for this verse is not what we're going to talk about today, but I want you to know the context of this verse. We're going to take off in a different direction. The context for this verse is Paul is discussing how we use our freedom as Christians. We are free. We are not under the law. We live by the Spirit, not by the law. We're freed from life under the law, which sets you really seriously free. Now now you've got this freedom, you can use it in any way that you want. So Paul's saying, now that you have this freedom and you can do with it what you want, how are you going to use it with respect to your brothers and sisters? Are you willing to do something that might cause a brother or sister to stumble, to do something that's wrong in their own conscience? Or do we lay down our freedom to protect a brother or sister from violating what they truly believe is right, what they believe in their own conscience? As interesting as this question is, it's not the question I want to discuss today, but that is the context for this verse. But I want to look at just this phrase, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest to you that there's two ways you can read this verse, that the kingdom of God It's not about eating or drinking. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's two ways you can possibly interpret this. And the first one looks like this. Now, I'm going to act like the amplified amplified version. I'm going to put a few more words in here to kind of make sense of this passage. And this is how one might possibly read it. But of righteousness, godly behavior, and obedience, which when achieved brings peace with God, which then brings the subjective experience of joy through the Holy Spirit's activity in our emotions. You get the progression? The second two, peace and joy, in this interpretation, come as a result of righteousness. You with me? Which leaves us with the impression that we, if we behave properly, if we behave righteously, then we will obtain peace and then joy. Precisely. Precisely. That's the danger in reading this passage this way. The point in this interpretation is that our righteous behavior qualifies us for God's peace and joy through the activity of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the activity of the Holy Spirit is a reward for something that you just earned. It's very dangerous, and we know from Paul's writings that this is absolutely not the way this verse should be interpreted because he is the author of grace. He's the guy that explains that it's not by your righteousness. It's by his. It's not by your goodness. It's by his You took a life exam. You took the exam of life. You submitted it. You got an F. Jesus intervened and said, let me see that test, please. And he took it, and he scratched out your name, and he put Jesus on it. Resubmitted it, and he got 
A, 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 A plus. And then he submitted it on your behalf. That's how it works. That's why grace is so wonderful. He is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. And in him we are righteous. Now here's the second way to interpret it, which I think is far closer to Paul's heart. And I'm going to amplify it again just to kind of make it all make sense. But of righteousness, which is knowing that you are rightly related to God as a matter of identity and relationship. Then peace, the state of rest and well-being with God. And joy, the emotional result of the first two, is your reality. You see how that works? The point in this interpretation is that all three of these things, righteousness, peace, and joy, are brought about by the Holy Spirit working within you. Because it's not your righteousness, it's His. The power of goodness is not the power of your willpower. The power of goodness within you is the presence of Him within you. He is righteous. He he is impulsive towards righteousness all the time. And when you cooperate with Him and give Him a chance, that begins to flow through you. You are actually being changed internally. Your righteousness is His, but so is your peace. The peace you experience is not... (laughs) Look... The trouble with the first one, the trouble with the first one is that it only works part of the time. It only works when you're being good and you're on your best behavior. Then you can feel good about yourself. Then you can have some peace. Then you can chuckle and have a little moment of lightness before you screw up next and have to go through the whole nasty cycle again. It only works part of the time. The second is true all the time. Because the Holy Spirit accomplishes all three. Are you getting this? Do you see the wonder of Him? He's your peace. He's your righteousness. He's your joy. Because He assures your identity not on the basis of your performance, but on the basis of you had your last name changed. You were adopted into His family. Jerry Christian. Jerry, whose last name is God, is Jesus, is his identity. You've been transformed. Well, okay, that's great. How does he do it? How does this happen within us? What does the phrase, see the key phrase here, after righteousness, peace, and joy, the key phrase we have to understand is in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. How do we get in the Holy Spirit? Here's a weird thing. In the Old Testament, there are very few references to the Holy Spirit being in anybody. He comes on, he does something powerful, then he leaves. One writer put it this way, I love it. He blows in, he blows up, and he blows out. (laughs) He comes on to get something powerful done, but he doesn't hang around, and by no stretch of the imagination does he live inside of you. 
It's a coming upon. In the Old Testament, the language of the Holy Spirit is almost exclusively coming upon. There's only three references in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit is in someone, and it was for the purpose of constructing the ark and certain holy things that had to get accomplished through skill and craftsmanship, and the Holy Spirit came into them for that purpose, but that was it. He didn't live in anybody. But when the New Testament comes along, and Jesus said, oh, he'll be with you, but it's a little better than that. He'll be in you. You can't get more intimate than in. So what's it mean to be in the Holy Spirit? Well, this is an interesting thing. If you look at the, in the, Holy, the phrase in the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, a whole bunch of really interesting things happen. The phrase in the Holy Spirit appears a number of times in the New Testament. In each of these passages, something's happening. Here's some... Oh, let's just do this as a fun test. In the Holy Spirit, phrase used about Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was in the Holy Spirit? There's a time when it, Jesus was in the Holy Spirit? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a problem. Jesus is God. How can God be in God? How can a part of God be in a part of God? Well, he can in his humanity. And in his humanity, he represents us. So we can be in the Holy Spirit too, and the Holy Spirit can be in us. But what's it mean? In each of the times, give me some of the in the Holy Spirit things that pop into your head in the New Testament. He was in John on the island of Patmos when he had his trance, seeing heaven, seeing all these amazing things. It, it's described as him being in the Holy Spirit. There's one. Any more? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's moments of Jesus being in the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit. Which means there's times when he wasn't in the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's a corollary, right? If sometimes you're in the Holy Spirit, there's other times when you're not. Even though he might be in you, you're not always in him, if that makes any sense. In this, in this functional sense of him doing something. Here's some of the instances of in the, in the Holy Spirit, and we've already said to them. Rejoicing. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. We're called to rejoice in the Holy Spirit in prayer. He was in the Holy Spirit in prayer. There's times when we pray when we're in the Holy Spirit. Having a vision in the Holy Spirit. The experience of peace in the Holy Spirit. This verse the experience of knowing our righteousness, knowing we're rightly related to God and we're completely forgiven and we're his child. Doesn't get better than that. And worship, we're told the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in, in spirit and in truth. This is interesting. Worship, worship is something we can do in the spirit or we can do not in the spirit. Have you ever had worship in, not in the Spirit? I have for the first 10 minutes of every worship session we have here at church. I come into church me, which is beast, disgusting human being you'd rather not know, best to avoid for at least the first 10 minutes, complaining about things, 
annoyed at God because my football team last, lost last night. Upset about this or that, bad mood mark, crab, 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 certainly not in the Holy Spirit. And you stand there and you start singing the songs, who cares, I don't believe that, mutter, mutter, mutter. It's annoying that you're enjoying this, Josh. Really is. (laughs) He says, I see it. Okay, so it's real. Do we have to all share in that? That moment right there was not in the Holy Spirit. But you know what I'm talking about. You just had a fight with your wife or something's wrong or you just had bad news and you're coming to church and life is miserable and you're annoyed and you're wondering why I'm even here and then you feel the guilt of being that when you come because you realize, oh, I'm a mess. I'm a spiritual mess. I'm trapped. This is bad. I got to quit. I should get my resignation to God right now. I don't want to be I don't want to be in your family anymore. I'm shaming the community, you know. But sometimes it's that bad. Not most, but sometimes. But you come in here and you start singing. It's mouthing the words that mean nothing. And then a phrase or two just for some reason seems to make sense. And then something in your heart gets touched. Pretty soon you're singing it because you mean it. And there's something going on inside and it's really nice. It's warm and it's embarrassing because you're going to start crying. I always do. Just weep. But it's good tears. It's a pure tears. There's thankfulness in the tears. Even joy in the tears. That in the middle of my humanity and brokenness, I can be loved by God. And he actually accepts my worship. Isn't that fantastic? That's in the Holy Spirit. So, how do we get there? How do you get in the Holy Spirit other than in worship, which is easy in some ways, but it's hard when you're by yourself to get in the Holy Spirit. How do you get there? What does it mean to be in the Holy Spirit? And here's the cool thing, you guys. I got puzzled by this a number of years ago. It really bugged me. What the heck does that phrase, in the Holy Spirit, mean? Well, it comes down to the word in. Seriously, the word in. So I studied the word in. Man, did the lights come on. Here's what in means in the Bible. There are three definitions. Theological explanations of the word in, in the Bible. The first one, it's a marker of a state or condition. In pain in torment, in love, in anger. It's a marker of a state or condition. You with me so far? Second definition, it's a marker of close personal association. To be one with, to be in union with, to be joined closely to are the three ways theologically we describe the second meaning of the word in. Deep, close, personal association with, to be one with someone, to be in union with someone, to be joined closely to. You with me? The third one is the interesting one. 
Third one is this. It's a marker of the means by which one event makes possible another event. In other words, by means of, or through, or because of, or by. Are you with me? In other words, something is made possible by an event that precedes it. It's going from one state to another. Literally, from one state of being or state of mind or state of emotions or whatever to another state. And it's made possible by something. You with me so far? Now follow this. Let's take all three of these meanings and put them into one expanded meaning. Let's take these three definitions and do the amplified version on them. So in the Holy Spirit would mean this. A state or condition of close personal association or union or joining with the Holy Spirit by which another state or condition, event, or activity is made possible. You get it? Because of an intimacy and closeness with Him, He takes us from one state into another, which we could not do for ourselves. On Patmos, John could not have made up that vision. He cannot will it into existence. When I come in my humanity and brokenness to church and I begin to worship, I cannot will myself into the Holy Spirit. But when it happens to me, I know it's happened. And we are together. And I am moved from one state of being, crabby old man, to joyous worshiper. And I know when it happens to me, and I know I didn't do it to me, because I can't. Is this making sense? In prayer. You know what it's like sometimes. I mean, you're praying and it's just, oh, I wish I wasn't doing this. And then something happens and the prayer takes on power and authority. And it's like, this is praying. You're in the spirit. Rejoicing. You know, I'm in a crabby mood. I think I'll just change my mood. <laughs> <laughs> fake, 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 inauthentic, inauthentic. But when he touches you and joy starts to rise up from the inside, not because you're trying to force it from the outside, all of a sudden you're in a different place. And you know you're in a different place. And it was because of unity and closeness to him. Does this make sense? A state or condition of close personal association or union or joining with the Holy Spirit by which another state or condition, event or activity is made possible. Now, in our verse, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, let's look at these three things through the lens of in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness. 
He provides the evidence of our right relationship with the Father, of our righteousness. The Spirit, here's a verse. Come on, guys, we should have a proof text for everything. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Come on. The Spirit Himself testifies. The word testifies used there is a legal phrase. It means to provide conclusive evidence of. Like that a, that a court would say, yeah, that's it. That's the truth. He provides the evidence of our change of identity such that we know we are the righteousness of Christ. And I can't do it for myself. And that closeness to the Holy Spirit provides the very evidence that I need to know my identity is different. I am different. I am transported from one state, slave to sin, to son of God, to child of God. That's a miracle. That's as good a transformation as you're ever going to get. And it's only possible in him. Number two, peace. He makes experiential to our mind and emotions our peace with God. Now this is really fascinating. The word peace in the Greek used there comes from the root word to join or to set at one again. It is the very word you would use for a broken arm where the bones are broken and you bring it back together and you bind it up. And when it knits together and becomes one again, whole and healthy, it is now in peace. The word peace comes from that root. Strong's commentary describes the peace of God this way. I love that he, I love they say this, says, according to a conception distinctly peculiar to Christianity, distinctly peculiar to our beliefs. Nobody else sees peace this way. According to a conception distinctly peculiar to Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Guys, if that isn't good news, I don't know what is. Because there's times when you're in so much trouble, and you're in so much stress, and you're in so much pain, you can't see your way out of it. And you have no peace. And you're living in anxiety. And believe me, I felt that. And every one of us has. And you can't get yourself out of it. And you need to be transformed from that state of mind, carried from that state of mind into a state of peace where you know you're standing with God and you know your identity in Him and you don't fear anything anymore. I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night and in the middle of an anxiety attack, I have said to the Lord, there's only one thing I need. I just need your peace. I don't need you to solve the problem, although I want you to. But what I really need right now is I just need your peace. Please give me your peace. 
And when it comes, who delivered it? The Holy Spirit. He took us from a state of anxiety and fear into a state of rest. Such that whatsoever the world brings at me, I will be all right because I'm close to God. We're like this. And he's the evidence that that's happened. He's the one that takes you from one state to another and makes it possible. That's peace. And here's the proof text. God who has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Oh, what ridiculous, crazy, extravagant love the Father has poured all over us and lavished on us that we might be called his children. And that's who you are. That's who you are, Agave. That's who you are. That's who you are. I'll get to you. That's who you are. That's who we are. That's the transformation. And who did it? The Holy Spirit. So shouldn't we occasionally give him some credit? Like, aren't you special, Holy Spirit? Aren't you absolutely amazing? Do I need more of you? No, only when I'm awake. Okay, when I'm asleep too. You're the best thing that's ever happened to us. Joy. Joy. He touches our mind and emotions with joy. You see, once you know your identity as a child of God and you've been touched with his peace, joined to him at the deepest level by his unconditional love, how could you not be joyous? How could you not be joyous? The word joy is a simple word. It just means cheerful and gladness. It's an emotional experience. It's not a theological idea. Okay? It's an emotional experience. Yes, it's a theological idea, but as a theological idea, it has very little value. As an experience, it has infinite value. It is a work of the Holy Spirit within your mind and your emotions. I was going through the darkest time of my life. My marriage had broken up. My wife had left. I lived in a sense of shame and failure pretty much constantly. I, was, I, re, I tendered my resignation to the church. They refused to accept it, which was a great act of love and belief. I needed that. And I went on, but I was just dead inside, and I hurt constantly. The most amazing thing, you know, the only time I ever felt okay was when I got up to preach I would come to church just a complete mess. I would get up and start to teach and the Holy Spirit would hit. If you've ever done it, you know how it happens. He just hits. He just hits all of a sudden and all of a sudden he starts to flow and it's so good. And I can see him touching. The, I can see in the faces of the people that are being touched and I know I'm being touched. And I'm okay for 45 minutes. And as soon as I walk away from the podium, I'm broken again. Because the anointing is for teaching is lifted. And I'm back to me and my pain. 
And it went on like this for a couple years. It was just hell. And I was in the darkest place. And it was a Sunday afternoon. My parents, my mother was dying of cancer. My mom and dad came out to visit. And we'd gone to church. And I, all I wanted to do, to be honest with you, I just wanted to go home Sunday afternoon and watch football. That was my comfort. Monday night football was... They had three commentators. They were my friends. I looked forward to Monday night because it was three hours when I didn't have to think about my life. Seriously. And Sunday afternoon, I taped all the... Taped. (laughs) Date yourself, Mark. You taped the games. (laughs) I taped all the games. I come back and fast forward through the commercials. All I wanted to do was just come home from church and hide in football. And I came home and uh, was going to do that, and the phone rings. I got this prophetic guy in the church. Just a pain in the butt. (laughs) Seriously. You need to come over to my house right now. No, I don't. Yeah, God wants you to come over to my house right now. No, no, he doesn't. God wants you to leave me alone. No, God, God says, God told me you have to come over to my house this afternoon. I need to pray for you. He has something he wants to do. Oh, God. I don't want to go over to his house. I don't want any more religion. I've had enough this morning. I just want to be left alone in my pain, okay? But... The Holy Spirit just starts. Okay, I'll go over there, but only for 10 minutes. Just time to get back and fire up the VCR again. So I go over to his house. And you got to understand, guys, I'm living in a state of incredible spiritual pain. I'm just in pain and brokenness all the time. I'm going through the motions of being a Christian and a pastor but I just want to escape. And the pain never leaves. And it's just been horrible for a long time. So I go over to his house, and he says, I need to break some things off of you. Oh, God, what are we going to do now? And I'm standing there, and he's breaking things off of me and cutting stuff in the spirit. And I'm going, oh, great, this is super disgrace. When do I get to go home? And what did he say? He said something. He said something. And the pain got really worse inside. It just hurt physically. And I bent over. And I was moaning and groaning because it was hurting in my stomach and in my chest. And he started, what did he do? He started pronouncing something. I can't even remember what it was. But I stood up, and this pain, this emotional pain was super strong. And it was starting to rise up in, through, my, through my chest. And it was coming up like this. And I'm having this vision in my mind as this pain is building and rising. I'm seeing all the people that have left our church because of my brokenness. 
and all these people that have gone, and I'm just seeing face after face, and it's just killing me. Like the pain is multiplying, and it's getting worse. And it's starting to come up, this sorrow. And I, I realize I'm going to cry. I'm going to weep and moan and cry my brains out because I haven't felt this bad. I didn't know I felt this bad as I'm seeing all these faces that have left. And when it comes up and it rises up through my throat and I start to cry and out of my mouth comes laughter. It was the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. I'm like, what the is going on here? This is weird. And the, it's coming in waves of pain. And as it comes out, I'm sure I'm going to cry because that's what I'm feeling inside. And it comes out as laughter. And pretty soon, I'm laughing so hard, I can't stop. And then I fall on the ground. And I'm lying on my back. And I'm just, these faces are appearing. And I'm laughing and laughing and laughing. And the Bible verse pops into my head. I'll turn your mourning into laughter. And I said, this must be, this must be what's happening to me. And it built and it got stronger and stronger. And it was just waves of pain that were coming out, but they were coming out as laughter. And I had my eyes closed. It must have been, I'm 20 minutes or more of this. And, and I'm just lying there with my eyes closed in this, this state of healing, I guess, and I opened my eyes, and this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I opened my eyes, and his three-year-old daughter is standing over me, and she has the remote control from the television. And she's holding it at like this, and every time she clicks it, I start laughing more. So she figures she's in control. So she's just having the best time, and her dad is standing there like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Told you so. Told you you had to come over to my house. Told you God was going to do something. Guys, it was, like, it was like getting washed on the inside. Just scrubbed out clean. All that pain came out. And it came out as laughter. And that was the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Isn't that just the coolest thing? So, how do we how do we get more of the experience or the characteristics of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy? How do we, what's our part in all this? Because clearly he's the one that transforms us from one state of being to the other. We can't do it ourselves and we can't make it up. But what's our, what are you guys laughing at? When we meet on Wednesday night, you two are in trouble. You're not going to get any chocolate cookies. You're not going to get any sodas. You're not going to get any of the stuff you usually get. You're just going to have to explain why you're laughing right now. Because this is deep stuff for me. <laughs> Kids. 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 It's the joy of the Lord. What's our part? How can we maximize these transitional experiences? Well, number one is dwell on these truths. You see, the enemy's agenda is to see to it we don't believe any of these things. And to use our negative present experiences as proof that it will always be this way. It won't always be this way. Because the Holy Spirit's committed to it not being this way. Okay? So we have to remind ourselves. Dwell in these truths. Remind yourself of them every day. Read these passages to yourself every day. 
What were these passages? Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God. Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us, Romans 5, 5. We just need to be reminded of these things, right? So we remind ourselves as often as we can. Tell your brothers and sisters these truths. You know, sometimes we need to hear something from people as well as from God. Sometimes, this is very strange. Sometimes God will not speak directly to us what he wants to speak through someone else because he honors the someone else by allowing them to be his mouth in that moment. The community is so important. There are things he won't do directly because he wants to mitigate it through his people. So he builds unity within his people. And he gives us the significance and the opportunity to actually be his agents in doing something profound. Isn't that the coolest thing? So when we simply repeat to somebody, the Lord loves you. You're his child. You're precious. You've been adopted into, you've been given his nature. You have his last name. His spiritual DNA is now your spiritual DNA. You've been transformed. You don't have to live that way anymore. The way, you think, the way you're seeing yourself, it's a lie. That's not how God sees you. Sometimes you need to speak these things to one another. In fact, we need to speak these things to one another a lot. Not just to ourselves, but to one another. Pray for yourself to experience more of these things. Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I need your peace. I need your righteousness. I need your joy. you got to do this for me. Get in his face and be a nuisance. Remember, I, I taught you. Jesus told us how to pray. He said you're supposed to be a nuisance. Go back and check the message. It's, it's there. Be importunate. Ask, seek, and knock. Knock is to be importunate. Be insistent. Don't take no for an answer. This is my birthright. I need it. I want it. Holy Spirit, you've got to come across with this. Hunger. Eagerly seek the Holy Spirit. Hunger after Him. Increase your passion and your desire. Don't be ashamed of them. Is it weakness? Yes. It's the best weakness you can have. So feed the weakness. I need you, Lord. Pray for yourself to experience more of this. Pray for your brothers and sisters to experience more of this. When you see someone that's down, don't just leave them down. Take them to the Lord in your prayers and say, Lord, he really needs this. She really needs this. They're not going to make this without you. They're not going to make it. You've got to do this for them, Lord. Wait on the Holy Spirit with expectation and rejoicing. You are going to do these things. It is going to be okay. You are going to come across for me. I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm claiming all those verses about wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength. I, I, I'm, I'm standing on those things because you said so. I'm not making this up. This is your stuff. Spend time alone with him daily and invite the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
to make righteousness, peace, and joy real for you. Wait on Him. Lord, I'm here. I need you. I want you. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Especially around Christmas. All those angels, peace on earth, goodwill towards humanity. Okay? Who here needs more of that? This was a good sermon for a, it's, it was a good sermon for a good sermon's sake. But for some people, it's more than a good sermon. It's an invitation today, right now. Okay? Yeah, please. But you can't beat my story. My story was better than yours. No, I can't. There's no way. There's so much, so much here. I, you know, you got to love Mark's transparency, don't you? And, um, but there's just, there's so much there. And, and what, what was really, what I was hearing and was speaking to me was, you know, I love the picture that, that peace is the healing of that broken bone. And, and, you know, I know we've all seen this. When someone comes to the Lord, 95% of the time when you then say, what are you feeling? What do they say? Peace. Peace. They've gone, see that, they've gone from a place of brokenness to a place of healing, right? And that's what that setting of that broken bone is. And so they, they're experiencing that peace. But the other thing that I think we all know and that, that we've seen time and time again is that's not a one-time event. Right. Because we are broken in many different ways. And sometimes it takes time for the brokenness within us to come to the surface. The longer we're in the Lord and, and we're seeking him and, and his righteousness and all the things Mark's talking about, those other broken things in us, I, I, sometimes I call it baggage, that we were carrying just from all of our past life, they come to the surface. You know, I'm, I'm a woodworker, right? And I, I get slivers. You, everybody had a sliver at some time, one time or another. And those slivers get in there and they hurt. Well, sometimes they're so deep that if you just leave it there, it starts to work its way out on your own, and then you have to dig in and get it out, right? But it actually starts to work its way out of you. And that's what I think has happened, happens a lot to us, that there are things within us that as we're, we're spending time in the Lord's presence, he's bringing this stuff out of us. It's kind of like the, the dross that comes out of the silver, you know, when they're purifying silver. We're being purified, and that dross, the bad stuff comes out. But sometimes that sliver, I mean, you've, you have, I, I can think of like one of my kids would have a sliver and it would hurt so bad, but they would not want me to dig it out because it hurts so bad. But as we dug it out, you know how good it feels when that sliver comes out? Oh, man. You just think, oh, there's such a relief. And that's what the Lord wants to do. I believe that's what the Lord wants to do here yeah. today. I believe that there's some stuff that's been stirring within you as Mark was doing this great teaching. And there's some stuff that wants to come out. And the Lord wants to, wants to bring this out of us. Let's do that right now. Here's, I'm getting an idea, I think, from the Lord of how we should proceed with this ministry. Um, right where you are, let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us and show us what that sliver is what we can give over to him and say, I can't do this, I can't, but you can, and I need you to. And let's invite him to speak righteousness and peace and joy and begin to see what happens. 
And then we'll do that for a few minutes and let him get started. And then if you think, you know, this is good, but there's, I need more help with this, then we can lay hands on you and pray for you, do it more directly. But let's give him a chance to minister to us now. Uh, and whatever he wants to say and do, let's just welcome him. And just welcome him to come and apply whatever truth you heard to apply it in an, ex in an experience where he actually witnesses righteousness or gives peace or touches you with a moment, a touch of joy and gladness. So close your eyes. Let's ask him, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me right now? What do you want to do right now for me? What do you want to do? Just show me, Lord so I can welcome it and say yes. What's the sliver, Lord, that you want to identify and begin to pull out, Holy Spirit? What's that thing that's causing us this pain, frustration, a shame? What is it? What do you want to do? your eyes closed but if there's something he's shown you put up your hand thank you Lord now we invite you righteousness peace and joy forgiveness he's speaking forgiveness right now accept the forgiveness Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring peace. Touch us with your peace. joy Holy Spirit we need your joy 
really do. Give us your joy, Lord. Take me beyond my circumstances, Lord. Holy Spirit, take me beyond my circumstances. Right into your peace. Right into your righteousness. And right into your joy. say Holy Spirit what do you want to say to me right now what do I need to hear from you I hear I heard just heard him say it's not always going to be like this it's not always going to be like this for you it's not always going to be pain it's not always going to be doubt it's not always going to be anxiety. It's not always going to be fear. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I sense there's some pictures he wants to give you in your mind, a photograph, a little video of, a, of something with him, with Jesus, with the Father. Holy Spirit, whatever visions you want to give, images you want to give, I pray you do it now. Something for us to think about and revisit. A new way of being with you a new way of understanding and seeing you. saying you know I love you don't you you know I love you don't you let's sing this together He loves me. Yeah, he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. 
Jesus, cause he is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of his eclipse by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. us. Yeah, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. We sing it out. Yeah, He loves us. Oh, how Nothing. 
sing, come on my soul. Come on, church. Come on my soul. Come on. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Let's enter his gates today. So come on my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. some more prayer for whatever whatever's going on or for what we talked about this morning prayer team why don't you come forward and uh, if you have a need let's not go into Christmas without addressing it alright get some Christmas presents from him <laughs> so if you want prayer come forward and we'll, we'll pray for you <laughs> 